thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Movie Geeks United. It's difficult to imagine a filmmaker as relevant, provocative, or as indelible as Spike Lee. His films are equal parts entertaining and instructive, and each of them overflows with feverish passion and an undying love of the cinematic language. Editor Barry Alexander Brown has been by Lee's side from the beginning, from She's Gotta Have It to his latest, Black Klansman, Brown and Lee have never been afraid to experiment, and together they've expanded the boundaries of successful storytelling. Brown is himself an Oscar-nominated director for his 1979 documentary, The War at Home. We spoke to Mr. Brown about his long-standing collaboration with Mr. Lee and a few of the films that have distinguished their union along the way. There's never been a black cop in this city. We think you might be the man to open things up around here. Hello, this is Ron Stallworth calling. Well, who am I speaking with? This is David Duke. Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. That David Duke? God. Last time I checked. What can I do you for? Well, since you asked, I hate blacks. I hate Jews, Mexicans, and Irish, Italians, and Chinese. But my mouth to God's ears, I really hate those black rats. And anyone else, really, that doesn't have pure white Aryan blood running through their veins. I'm happy to be talking to a true white American. God bless white America. Well, I understand that uh, initially you had no intention of getting into the into the realm of editing. You, oh, you're no, an Academy Award. Yeah, you're an Oscar-nominated documentary filmmaker, and uh-huh. editing kind of came upon you, uh, you know, as a surprise. But what about editing do you feel suited you? Well, you know, the thing about it is I think my friends recognized something before I recognized it, is that, mm. is that they liked what I did as an editor on my own films. And... um and, you know, Spike had asked me, he was having trouble with the scene, and she's going to have it. And um, so he said, ask me, you know, will you try your hand at this? I said, I said sure, then I'm happy to, right? And it, this, mm-hmm. and it was this sex scene between the really good-looking guy, Greer, and Noah in the bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with you know, um, almost they were almost like silhouettes in these on these white sheets. You know, and you know, and he loved what he did. Um, and so he began to think of me as an editor. You know, and at the same time, my friend Mira Nair, um, began to think of me that way as well from a from a, a, a short film I had done, he did another yeah. really great walk in, in New York City across to this cathedral called St. John the Divine. And, um, you know, again, it's one of these things that I cut it because I could not afford to hire an editor. <laughs> you know, so it was <laughs> going to be me, you know. And people love the editor of that film. And so, and it turned out to be a really charming 30 minute long film about Philippe Petit. Um, and, um, and so, so then, you know, Mira wanted me to, to do 
to do her first feature. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I think I was, if anything, at the very beginning, I think I was more, eh, sure, why not, you know? I mean, if they're crazy mm. enough to hire me, I'll do it, you know? But it wasn't it wasn't the thing of, this is going to be my career. Eventually, you had to kind of say to yourself, well, I, I guess I'm an editor. Because yeah, everyone else seems to like, think that I am. That was, that was Malcolm X. That was yeah. Wow. Then wow. I finally said, "Yeah, you know, maybe I'm an editor." <laughs> um, you know, but all, editing always came very easy to me, and and it was always enjoyable because it was easy. Uh, somebody had mm. said to me not long ago, "How do you deal with the the um, tediousness of editing?" I said, "Listen, if you think it's tedious, you cannot be an editor." You can't be. And I found from the very beginning I could fall into it. I could fall into this place where I edit and I'm simply there. And it's almost like a sense of floating. Yeah, that's when you know the film is kind of working through you, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's speaking to you. And I can go there. And I can have, you you know, when we were working in film, Nobody could talk to me in the course of it because because I would have all over the editing room, you know, the 35 millimeter rolls laid out in places where I'm just going to cut from, you know. And so all of this was mm-hmm. in my head. If you if you talk to me, it could all fall apart like a house of cards. So I had a great assistant editor, Leander Sales, and he would just stop anybody from coming into the room or saying anything. Don't don't say good morning. Nothing. Right. Because it was dreadful, you know, I could lose it. Um, and those days, I would only work, I'd work from like nine to six. But but at six o'clock, I was exhausted. And now, you know, you're working on an avid, you know, and I love avid media composer. You know, man, at six o'clock, I'm good. <laughs> you know, it's so much easier. It's so, mm. so much easier. You know, I bet. you know, oh, my Lord, it's, cra- it's crazy how much easier, you know, and, and still, you know, I'm not a guy who does work late. Um, I know people that work late, late and uh, I, yeah, every once in a while you have to. But mostly, uh, you know, I figure I, I have, you know, lose having a life. You also have to have a life. You know, it can't just be about the work. You also have to have a life. But I get a lot done in the hours I work. And one thing that was great about being a film editor is I, I think it taught me about making decisions because, you know, it was hard to go back and recut stuff, you know. Um, so it's a matter of let's let's make some good decisions right away. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so, you know, digitally, you know, it's a, the system is so incredibly well set up you know and you know there's people that talk about well what's great about uh, about digital editing is that you can just cut and cut and cut and and see how this works and see how this works and see how this works you know we thought well that's a crazy way to, to, to think about editing it's like you're not making choices you're just hoping that you stumble across an edit you know if if you have an 
you know, an infinite amount of monkeys and an infinite amount of typewriters and an infinite amount of time, you can you can write the great works of literature. <laughs> it's that kind of idea, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing. You you've had you've had this collaboration with Spike that has gone on for well over three decades. Uh, what clicks between the two of you? I mean, where is that creative symbiosis? What what works about that relationship? Do you think? Well, I mean, I think the thing is, it's what drew us together. You know, it's just I think our personalities click, but I also think our sense of cinema from the very beginning clicked, and that's why we mm. we, we we were drawn to each other and became friends. Is that is that there was something that was very similar in the way we thought about films and what we thought worked and what we thought that didn't work um, and and what interests. And our sense of humor also, I think, is, is, is similar. I can always, I can make, I can make them laugh. There was, there was, I remember this very intense meeting on Malcolm X at Warner Brothers and Spike was angry at them. And it was the first time we show we showed the film to uh, Warner Brothers, and he wouldn't look at them. We were sitting side by side in this um, big, big table with all these executives, and he wouldn't look at them. He would just look down. And I thought, Wow, one of us had better make eye contact. Right? <laughs> and so I was looking up, you know, and then and then because he was just looking down, you know, with baseball cap on. And they would say something, and and he would turn to me and would ask me something about how that how can that work or da da da. da. And sometimes I would say something back to him, and and he would laugh because I would I would do something on purpose because I, something struck me as funny and and I'd say it to him and he would laugh, and I would look up and these executives, these this whole room of white executives were looking at me like, oh my god. He can make Spike Lee laugh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who is this guy? You know, um, yeah. and so and so there is just this easy, natural way between us. But also, we came along together, and we grew along together in terms of 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 movies. Because you know, I was there before the beginning of his career, his big career. You know, um, and. So, so it's a matter of growing together too, and trying to figure out what is this thing that we're doing, and how do we make movies, and how does it yeah. work, and how do these films move? You know, you know, the, the, there are all kinds of different movies, but oftentimes I'll, I'll describe two different kinds. There, there are ones that are plot driven, where you have a plot mm-hmm. in place and you and, and you place your characters in there to kind of fulfill the plot. And there are others, the ones that I prefer, the ones that you and Spike make together, where it feels like characters are plot. Um, mm. Where, especially mm. in something like uh, Jungle Fever, Fever or Summer of Sam, you allow these characters room to breathe and communicate with mm. one another just the, on, mm. on all kinds of uh, all kinds mm. of realms of conversation that aren't intrinsic mm-hmm. to okay, we got to move the plot to this place. Moving but the plot they, forward, yeah. They make the film feel very lived in and very authentic, mm. which I love. Right. I, yeah, as an editor, 
how do you how do you kind of temper how long you hold on those conversations and, and still maintain you that never pace? can you never can tell you just have to do it and feel it and sometimes you know you're doing it and feeling it and thinking later oh wow we're here too long you know we gotta we gotta get out of this scene you know but it's it's only by gut really um, mm. Sometimes you do, uh, you, you know, previews, and an audience will help you, uh, help you with those moments where you think, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, this is this is we're here too long, and sometimes you find out you're here, you you're there too short. You know, mm. sometimes you find, you discover, wait a second, you know what? We cut all that stuff out. You know, and and Spike and I can sometimes say later, you know what, I miss it, and and we'll yeah. go we'll go back and put in lines of dialogue, um, but it's only by gut and instinct and feel. Well, and 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 it speaks to the the discipline of, of your cutting too, because the the editors that I have spoken to over the years, uh, they've all highlighted that it's not just where you cut. Equally important many times is where where you don't cut, when you just mm. know when to sit mm. back and let the scene breathe. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why do I need to cut here? Why Why am I doing that? You know? Why am I doing that? And sometimes it's Spike who comes in and says, and says, I don't think we need to. We don't need to cut around to this. Why don't we just stay here? Yeah. A lot of times we think. Where you think I cannot get in in the way of this scene, you know, by because mm. I want to cut, you know, um, and you know it's it's not always easy to understand when that happens, you know. You just have to hope that that you're choosing the right these right moments and that you're. But oftentimes yeah. I find myself. Sometimes I might make that kind of those choices about when I'm not going to cut all the way to at the point where I'm working daily with Spike. And I just have to remember that was fascinating, that whole shot, that whole moment with mm. this person or these two people. That was fascinating. I was fascinated the first time I saw it. Don't forget that. Don't forget that first that first emotion that you had. That first yeah. reaction. Well, and yeah. and that kind of gut instinct, I I would think, would have been particularly valuable for something like Black Klansman, because you had a, a really short post period on this film. Didn't really you? short, really short. Yeah, <laughs> crazy short. Yeah, and we don't have any deleted scenes in this movie. No deleted scenes. Wow. You know? wow. Yeah, crazy, huh? And um, yeah, but. But but I don't know. Somehow somehow I was feeling it all the way through. You know, there's an editor's cut where Spike. You know, I've showed stuff to Spike while we're shooting, but then after the, sh- you know, he lets me go out, go off and finish the cut. You know, because uh, he doesn't want to see it until it's all put together. You know, two or three weeks later, and so um, I don't know. I was feeling something all the way through that that moment where I was just cutting. And I had to cut all the way through the Christmas break because there was this sense that Spike had right 
I think even when he was shooting, that we that he was going to try and push for Cam. And so he wanted to see something in early January. So I showed it to him, and and man, he was so charged the very first time he saw it. And um, yeah, and I felt pretty solid. I felt like it was pretty solid. I mean, I think that the first the first cut was around two minutes and ten seconds, two two hours and ten minutes, and yeah. and you know, of course, we lost stuff, but we added stuff, especially the Charles. You know, you, you know the Charlottesville stuff at the end of uh, the movie, um, but still right around the same length. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's unusual. You know, <laughs> a very, very. Yeah. Uh, very, you know, very. and the film has the film has a very um, retro feeling to it. At the same time, it's mm. you know, you you know, definitely by the end, this movie couldn't be more current couldn't be more pressing. Yeah. But yeah. but in terms of the retro the stylistic retro aspect of it. Um I'm I'm especially interested in the use of split screen because mm, I, mm-hmm. uh, I I remember years ago speaking to Paul Hirsch who did a lot of De Palma's stuff mm-hmm. and and Hirsch said to me, I don't like split screen. It would surprise me because I thought it, it, when used correctly it can be such yeah. an effective and efficient efficient means of yeah. of storytelling. Did that yeah. feel? Uh, did, were you were you certain of that choice from the beginning on this film? Well, I mean, I mean, I I, I like the idea of it. I did like the idea of it. Was I certain? I wasn't certain. You know, I wasn't certain until I showed my first attempt at something because Spike and I hadn't talked about it. I simply tried something, uh, hmm. and I wanted to show Spike. Um, and sometimes I, I, I like to show Spike without talk, telling him much about it, you know, so that he doesn't have, he's not going to think about it before he sees it. He's just going to see it and react. And he saw it and he reacted and he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is what, yeah, we're going to do this. You know, mm. and he was excited. He, he was happy about it. And, and then it's a matter of, from that point on, how do we use it? How is it going to work? Um, and one of the best ways it works at the very end when Ron is cursing out David Duke from this long, for this list of of of, uh, of curses of uh, that he's been writing down, and um, and it's great to see Ron on the left side of the screen, mm. and it's great to see David Duke reacting, which is almost not reacting. On the other side of the screen, you know, and see that David Duke is, is really is thinking into him who he's been talking to and what is what, you know, and it's just wonderful to be able to see those two things together. Yeah, yeah. I think so, too. And, and it's indicative of what you guys do together so often in his films. I love the the bold, operatic strokes uh, throughout each of these films uh and you know sometimes they're very playful uh but they're always kind of a celebration of cinema like what is unique to cinema yeah. what cinema can do yeah that's good that's good i like like to hear you say that because it is absolutely absolutely it is because we both love cinema we love it and and you know and we can love simply what seeing what somebody else does 
and saying, mm-hmm. wow, isn't that great? Wow, isn't that great? You know? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you know, Spike is first and foremost a filmmaker. You know? He's got politics and he has things to say. But even before that, he's a filmmaker. You know? Absolutely. When are you guys going to do yeah. a musical? Well, we did one. <laughs> we did School Days. We both oh, love yes. musicals. We both love, love musicals. And definitely, definitely we're both into, into, um, we're both into to doing a musical. That's for sure. Um, yeah. I don't think there's, I think there's still a possibility to do it. I'd love to do a Western, quite frankly, too. You know, yeah. I I uh, I did one western, which was I did. It was a western. It was a, a this half hour film for uh, Rockstar Video. They did for the first Red Dead Redemption. They wanted a film, mm. and so I went on to that because I was, you know, my my agent called me and said, you know, Rockstar, you know, wants to do this, and I said, yes. <laughs> I, got, I got to do my, I got to do a western, you know, in this wow. funky, funky way, you know, and I was really happy with it, you know. But, oh, did um, I read this correctly? Or are, are you are you working on a documentary of your own right now? No, I'm working on a feature. I'm working on a feature okay. from the script I wrote, uh, set in Alabama, in Montgomery, Alabama, hmm. in 1961. I've been in Alabama in pre-production, and and oh, we're right. looking at uh, we're looking at going into production in uh, mid February. Shoots, you know, February and March. Wow. Well, I will I, yeah. I will definitely want to see, want to see that. So uh, keep, I actually keep have a meeting with an actor in ten minutes right downstairs. On the film, <laughs> it's called Son of the South. Yeah. Yep. And I'll, uh, and I'll edit that one too. I'll edit. I'll be the writer, director, editor. Uh, I, so I don't want to keep you because I know you have this important, uh, important meeting with your actor. You need to you need to wrap up. But I uh, I just want to tell you how much what you've done uh, in film has meant to me. It has really enriched my life, and I, oh, I can't thank you thank enough. Thank you for so it. much.